So we're uh, continuing our series in Kings, um, a manual for dissidents. Uh, the premise of the series is that uh, the culture is not headed in the right direction. God knows that. This has happened in the past. And God has um, a plan, a way for Christians to ha- faithfully resist. And today we need to do a little bit of a flashback to find out how we got here. So we've been in uh, 1 Kings 18, 19. We've been talking about Elijah, uh, King Ahab. We need, to, we need to see how we got where we are because I think not only is it relevant for um, the, the story as, as a whole, but it's also relevant for where we are as a community, as, as, a, as a people in this nation, in this culture. And especially important on Father's Day. So let's, uh, let's jump right in. This is 1 Kings 9. Uh, when Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord of Yahweh and the royal palace and had achieved all he had desired to do, Yahweh appeared to him a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. Yahweh said to him, I have, nev- I have heard the, p- the prayer and the plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built uh, by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be in this temple. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, just as your, your father David did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But, but... If you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword, an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple, this this temple, this beautiful place that you've made for me, it will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled. They'll scoff and say, why has Yahweh done such a thing to this land and to this temple? Well, here's why. Because they have forsaken Yahweh their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why Yahweh brought all this disaster on them. Happy Father's Day! <laughs> Woohoo! Let's go back to the beginning here. Let's, let's pick, pick the, this text apart a little bit and see uh, how it applies. When Solomon had finished building the temple of Yahweh, uh, where we are in, in history, right? Um, this is probably about a thousand BC, maybe a little bit uh, sooner than this. This is about a hundred years before where we've been. Okay, we have been um, in about 850-something. We, we don't know exactly, but this is about 100, maybe 150 years before uh, the text that we've been a part of. And interestingly, at this point in Israel's history, uh, where we've been with Elijah and Ahab, that's about 200 to 300 years into the, the history of Israel as a country, as a nation. Uh, the, the, the conquering of Canaan took place, we're not exactly sure, but sometime 200 to 300 years before. Interesting fact. In two weeks, we will be celebrating July 4th. Is it two weeks? Two weeks, July 4th. Uh, the 247th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. I got a picture here of the Declaration. July 4th, 1776. We are just a few years away, three years away from the 250th anniversary of this nation. That's crazy. Uh, and, and interestingly, we're in about the, we've been in about the same time frame of the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And one of the things that we've noticed 
hopefully, is that Israel's had like some ups and downs, right? Uh, Israel, when they first came into the land, they, they made some mistakes, but they did come into the land well. Uh, they, they would go back and forth with Yahweh. They eventually, they got kings. Uh, some of those kings, a couple of them were, were pretty good. Um, but they've started to kind of go downhill. And it looks like the trajectory of Israel, it might not be going in the right direction. It might be, ugh. And similarly, I think you can look back at the 250 years of the United States of America. We, we've had our ups and downs too. I mean, uh, I think we're all, you know, proud of the fact that this country had the Civil War and we stopped slavery. At the same time, we're probably not proud of the fact that we had slaves to begin with. Um, I think we're proud of the fact that, you know, the United States of America fought fascism in Imperial Japan during World War II and set uh, the stage for freedom uh, for many, many countries. But I think we're also a little bit maybe like, that Vietnam didn't go so well. And we might be a little bit, depending on your point of view, we might be a little bit suspicious or suspect of, you know, the last, the 20 year uh, occupation of Iraq and Afghanistan. Where are we in the story? Well, um, and how did we get here? Well, check this out. This is interesting. Uh, so we estimate that the standard of living for residents of the United States increased by 22% from the year 2000 to 2020. Uh, now the, w- the way they calculate this is they, they kind of they estimate um, how much stuff like Medicare and cell phones and entertainment and shelter and food and restaurants does the average person consume, and then they give a they give a a, a, a dollar value to that. Inflation is adjusted, and the assumption is by 2020, and I think probably it's it's even pe- gone up a little bit more, maybe not, but up close to this, uh, it was about seventy eight thousand dollars per person in the United States. That means that every person in the United States consumes or has access to about $78,000 worth of stuff every year. Now that is pretty impressive. In fact, aside from a couple of possibly Nordic nations, there has never been a country, certainly never one as large as ours in the history of the world that has had this much material prosperity. Like it's not even close uh, I think it's something like uh, 12% or 12 to 18% of Americans live in what we define as poverty. And yet poverty in America is richer than some of the pharaohs of Egypt. If you think about what we have access to. Um, the, the idea that you could be in poverty and yet still receive first world medical, medical care in, in, if you were um, <clears throat> excuse me, sick or in danger. Like that's unheard of. That's crazy. The fact that you could be in poverty in this country and have a full belly and access to a cell phone with all of the, the, the wisdom of the ages at your fingertips. We're doing great, right? Talk about uh, this, this, this is this. We only started um, monitoring the official rate of depression in 2015. Why? Because uh, there hadn't been that much of it, or at least it went undiagnosed. And the, the, the doctors and the psychiatrists started realizing there was, this, there was a steady, steady increase in the number of people that they were giving the, you know, the, are, do you have trouble waking up in the morning? Do you have lack of motivation? You know, those, those standard um, tests that they give people. And so in 2015, they started uh, taking like data on it. And just over the last eight years, the number of, number of, of diagnoses has jumped from 11% to 18%. That's a 64% rise. And, we, and, and, Part of that is we do have the data from COVID. And during COVID, like, everyone was depressed. 
So hopefully we'll see it drop down a bit. But even if we do, the long-term historical trends are horrible. The long-term historical trend is that depression has been rising massively. And we've seen the effects of it. We don't have the data uh, from COVID for suicide, but we do have it from 2000 to 2020. Um, the suicide rate increased 30% in 20 years. And that doesn't even count what happened during the lockdowns. We don't have that yet. We're doing great. How did we get here? How is it that we live, that right now, everyone here lives in the most, material pro, the most material prosperity in the history of the world, in all of human civilization? And our kids are killing themselves at rates we've never seen before. Well, if you paid attention to Yahweh's proclamation to Solomon, he was saying, hey, If you do the right stuff, if you stay faithful to me, good things will follow. If you don't, ugh. And one of the things that happened during Solomon's reign is that Solomon, like, there was unmatched prosperity for Israel. He was one of the greatest kings. Israel, under Solomon's reign, became famous amongst the nations. They had everything. And then, despite having all of the treasures available to people of the day, things still fell apart. That's the first thing in your note sheets. Cultures that are greatly blessed often greatly depart from what made them great. This is, you'll see this throughout scripture. Like when people and cultures and communities and families, when they receive great blessing, something happens to them, especially great material blessing. And somehow that, that's, that starts to lead to degradation. Let's go back to the text. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness. Uh, integrity, by the way, if you're, if you're wondering what the Hebrew word for integrity is, it's Tom. <laughs> it might actually be pronounced Tom, but well, uh, the vowels are the same, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, 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 it has the sense of like wholeness or completeness. It, can, it really means two things. Uh, one is innocence, and the other one is like uh, is completeness, wholeness, unity. Um, and, and the idea, uh, Lou tells a, a story. I hope it's true. I don't know if it is or not. But he says that uh, the word comes from uh, Roman military training. And we do know that our word integrity comes from integer, integritas uh, in Latin. And uh, during Roman military training, the, uh, a, a soldier wasn't ready until all of the, all of the, the armor was securely fastened and one, in one seamless whole unit. And once it was seamless and whole, then the, the, the soldier was ready for combat. Because, but as, if anything was out of place, then danger could follow. If one thing fails, everything fails. And so in order to be ready, you had to have integrity. You had to have the whole thing set uh, together. Another story I heard um, about uh, uh, there's an owner of a company. And next slide, Marilyn. Uh, the owner of the company was aging, had no children. And so decided to uh, bequeath the company to one of his senior executives. And so he gathered his senior leadership and he said, I'm going um, to choose one of you. And you are, you're going to go from making $250,000 a year or whatever it is to owning. 
And here's how we're going to do it. I want to see who can nurture and grow. Who has the ability to, to, to pay attention to the details, to take care of the small things so that what is small can grow large because I see a great future for this company. And so then he distributed a whole bunch of different seeds, one seed to each of his senior executives and said, one year from now, whoever has done right by these seeds and has grown the finest plant and has, has, has curated it and taken care of it, you will be the one who receives the company. Jim went home. He planted his seed. He went to YouTube, checked on how to grow things. He purchased the finest fertilizer, the best soil. He had the best sunlight. He watered the proper amount. Nothing happened. So he started over. Nothing happened. He began to be worried at at work. He overheard some of his colleagues talking about the sprouts that they were getting and the different types of plants. They They were wondering what it was going to be. And he came home every night and nothing worked. After a year had gone by, he was sleepless at night. His wife turns over and says, Jim, what have you been doing with that that seed? And why are you so upset? And he said, I'm going to lose everything. I thought I had a chance here. I think, I think I believe that I could be the one to make this company grow um, after it, the owner has passed it on. And yet I, I can't do it because I was supposed to make this thing grow and I can't. He goes to work the next day and sure enough, his colleagues come in with different types of plants. Some of them very well pruned, very well tended. He walks into the room. They're all listed on a table. He has nothing, so he drops the seed on the table next to them. Then the owner says, I see a lot of you have done some really amazing work. But the company is going to gym. Because I boiled all those seeds before I gave them to you. And he's the only one who was honest enough to show that it couldn't grow. That's integrity. The, the company's on the line. Your future's on the line. And everyone around you is succeeding. And still, you have the guts to tell the truth. Next thing you know, these leaders with integrity are hard to find. But they make all the difference. Let's go back to the text. But if you, Solomon, or your descendants, the other kings following you, if you are the ones who turn away, what's going to happen? Next slide, Marilyn. If you turn away, they, the people of Israel, will forsake Yahweh their God. And Yahweh will bring all their disaster on them, the people of Israel. The the responsibility of the leader is immense. If if Solomon and the kings follow the way of God, if they stay with integrity of heart, whole and complete before God, then the people will flourish. If they don't, then the people will abandon God. The people, the, the, the leaders are responsible for what the people do. There's incredible influence and power. How are we doing here in the United States of America? How are, how are our leaders? Did you, did you see the article uh, of the guy who uh, researched psychopaths? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, so psychopaths, um, the ones who aren't like murderous, those are psychotic. Psychopaths who um, actually function well in society tend to be very charismatic and extremely manipulative. They tend to be um, extremely dedicated, hardworking, um, and they gravitate towards uh, 
one of the most popular um, job for psychopaths in the United States who don't go violent is to be the CEO of a corporation. They crave power. And so they, this guy did a study of these large corporations. Next slide, Mike, uh, Marilyn. He found that 8 to 12% of large corporate CEOs display psychopathic traits. Compared to 1% or less in the general population. Uh, in prison, prisoners, criminals, 15% of them are psychopaths. Possibly 12% of CEOs are too. Why? Because there's money to be made. And if you're 100% focused on making that dollar, the type of person who succeeds in that is the one who's ready to throw anybody under the bus to do it. The one who's willing to do anything, who has no moral code whatsoever, no compass at all. The only thing that matters is success. And if you display that, we have a system right now in the United States of America, good for us, that rewards that tremendously. They did a study um, about, they asked, the, they asked a whole bunch of Americans, uh, do you uh, trust the government to do what's right most of the time? 21% said yes. 20 years ago, that was 50%. In the last 20 years, last 20, 23 years, uh, the, the, the trust that people have in the people who lead us has cratered, collapsed. If the people who are in charge, if the people who are leading us, if they are corrupt and evil, well, what does the Bible tell us is going to happen? Next thing you know, cheats, the Bible assumes that the fish rots from the head. Bad leaders create bad cultures. That, that phrase, if you don't know it, no one knows where it comes from, but apparently if you take a fish and you, you go fishing, where's Ben when I need him? He would know this. Ben's a professional fisherman at the age of 17, 16. Yeah. So he, he, if you took a fish and you, and you set it out and you let it sit in the sun, the corruption of the fish, fish begins at the head where the brain is, supposedly. I don't know if this is true. I've never done it. But that's what the phrase comes from. And the idea is the corruption begins there and then seeps down to the rest of the fish. Meaning that the, 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 where the brain is, where the, what's in charge, if the person in charge, if that person starts to get corrupted, then eventually everyone else will too. And the Bible assumes that's true. And as we've been in Kings, I think we've noticed that what had started out so great with Solomon has degenerated into massive corruption and has led to a whole bunch of people who are lost. And I think if we're being honest, we're seeing something of the same thing happening in our culture. So what do we do? Well, there's a million things. And we're gonna, we've seen a few uh, in, in our past sermons. We're going to see more um, as we continue in Kings. But today is Father's Day. And I think one of the most critical, maybe the most, but at least at the top three, one of the most critical things that, is requ- that are needed right now in this country, in this culture, in order to turn things around, are families. And I, I don't want to be sexist. I really don't. Um, but in general, most of the time, in families, the man kind of takes the lead. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a sexist. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that because of the, the statistics bear it out. Check this out. Um, did you know 
that the number one predictor of whether or not your children will worship regularly is if their father regularly attends church. It doesn't matter. We have statistics. We've done a ton of studies on this. It does not matter if mom goes to church. It only matters if dad does. Why? I think one thing is, and I'm going to lay my cards here. Uh, One of the reasons I preach the way I preach is because I want to reach men. I think that uh, in a lot of ways, the modern church has become a place that's hostile to dudes. I I think that a lot of men come to church services and they're like, "Eh, this is not for me. I don't want that to be the case. I want men to see how powerful the Bible is. I want to see how it can change lives. I want them to see how exciting and adventurous it is. Because I believe that if we have men who are strong, if we have men that are committed to Scripture, we're going to have a culture that's committed to Scripture. Sadly, uh, right now in the United States of America, 25% of our minors, 25% live without a father figure. Not even just, we're not even talking about the, we're not even talking about uh, birth father. We're t- even, even an adoptive or, or, or stepfather, 25% of kids don't have that at home. And we have seen over and over and over and over the results of that. It's devastating. These kids are four times more likely to end up in poverty, twice as likely to, to end up in jail. Like it, the list goes on and on and on. They're twice, as, they're twice as likely to be obese. Did you know that? Kids are twice as likely to be obese if they don't have a, a father at home. It's dad's day. And man, when I look at the people who are here, oh, by the way, another fact, great fact, of all of the holidays in the United States of America, the one where the least church attendance, Father's Day. You show up for Christmas, show up for Easter. Oh man, Mother's Day, packed house. Guys, in order to turn this thing around, you have to know that you are superheroes. I'm not, I mean, Marilyn, next slide. I lost my dad two years ago. And I remember when I was a kid, and, you know, we would throw the baseball back and forth after school or whatever it was, and I was like, man, I hope I can be like him someday. Now, obviously, yeah, when I became a teenager, I realized how dumb he was and, uh, you know, rejected all the things that he said for about 15 years. And then I remember uh, I was writing my dissertation and in between, like in order to do it, we had baby Alice and she was crying in her, in her crib. And so I would have to run over and turn on, what's that thing called? The mobile. And it would like spin around and make a sound, like a, like a, a song. And then she would quiet down. It lasted for five minutes. And so, five minutes, type, 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 type. And she cried. And somewhere in the middle of there, I was, I was running to the, the mobile to turn it back on, and I was like, he was right about everything. Crap. I'm not half the man my dad was. 
but his influence on me, his family, his job, his school, all the students that he taught, just unimaginable. Because we need a few good men, and they're harder and harder to find. And so I look out at this congregation. Oh, by the way, you don't have kids. You're still a spiritual dad. You show up here, you're a dad. I look at you guys, and I'm like, thank God you're here. Thank God you're doing what you're doing. Like, don't quit. Don't give up. You, you guys right now, you are the, you're like the turning point. You're the inflection point for a culture that is heading off a cliff. And if you hold the line, we have a chance. But if you don't, we're lost. Last thing on our note sheets. Dads, lead with integrity. The future depends on it. And the way you can start doing that is right after church, we have an axe throwing contest. It's, I, I, I assume that it's set up. I mean, I, I, we didn't have a staff meeting because I'm a failure. But um, I think, I think it's, uh, it's going to be out on the field. We've got some dad snacks, some mants, like the meat sticks. You, you eat the meat sticks. I think we've got a few of those. So go over there, show your kids. We also got the good axe, the one the axes that actually stick better. So, and we're sandbagging down the, the target so it won't sway. So this time, if your axe doesn't stick, it's because you're bad at it. All right? No excuses. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, thank you for the dads here. Thank you for the influence that we can have. God set us, set within us just hearts of integrity, whole, complete, passionate for you. May the little eyes around us, may they see that day in and day out, that you're number one. And in that, may we create a true resistance, a true counterculture. One that says no to childlessness and self-aggrandizement, happiness and pleasure. And instead, one that's set before you, holy, upright, committed to your way. And may the fatherless around us look and yearn to be with us, and may we father them too. We bless you, God, for the dads. May we be in your image. In Jesus' name, amen.